All right, let's play some winners and losers of the weekend. Bob, who won this weekend? Well, I'm going to dovetail off of my, uh, we go back to Friday, our uh, best and worst of the week. One of my worst of the weeks turns into one of my winners. That's Rick Patino. It's easier to reel in a meltdown like he had last week after St. John's and the Red Storm upsets number 15 Creighton. So, you know, now, you know, they interviewed him afterwards. Uh, Steve Lapis interviewed him, and he said, no, you know, Patino totally like, hey, I love these guys. This is the most together team I've ever had, was what he said. And uh, he goes, but we're just not playing well. So I had to get their attention, and hey, look, it worked. I mean, that was kind of the vibe while he was sporting that all-white suit. Did you see that? He, had it, he broke it back out. The, that, that's what I think of him coaching in. I mean, that was like – I feel like what he wore all the time at Louisville. So, he yeah. broke it out, his Sunday best. Yes, all white. And uh, But, yeah, you know, now he can argue, hey, it worked. I got my guy's attention. We've won two in a row. We upset the number 15 team in the country. Um, so, I give him a winner. Uh, NASCAR, third closest finish ever. I am not a NASCAR fan, but – I saw the finish of this, and this is what NASCAR needs. It was uh, three cars all aligned side-by-side. Side. Daniel Suarez, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Busch. Suarez was claimed the winner by some crazy, like, one seven like a 700th of a second or something. It was absurd. But considering what happened last week with Daytona, well, it wasn't even last week. It was last Monday, where they uh, – Got a lot of criticism for how they finished under a yellow. Um, they, they needed a finish like this, so that was good for them. My third one is uh, Cam Newton. Who, <laughs> um, I don't know. You could argue him getting in a fight. You know, maybe that's a loser. <laughs> but he he took on everybody, man. If you see this video, he's like throwing people down. Plus, he looks like a freaking wizard. <laughs> he never loses his hat. Yeah, he's got that hat on with his hair popped out at the top. And it looked like I was watching something like, you know, UFC slash Harry Potter vibe going on. It was crazy, but uh, he, he kicked ass. I don't know what goes through someone's mind when they, even as a crew, decide we're going to go fight this six foot five former professional athlete who hit people for a living. Like, did they never see the footage of Cam Newton fighting his own teammates at practice and the look of joy on his face when he is ripping Josh Norman's helmet off and just throwing him around? Like, Cam Newton, Shannon Sharp put it the best. He just said, sometimes people forget that, like, these athletes are not normal people. He's like, and Cam Newton had to remind people that he's not a normal person. <laughs> he's a six-foot-five monster. Like, I, and, and, like, I felt bad for him in the sense of, like, it seems like he's trying to do something positive. Like, he's putting on this seven-versus-seven, seven seven, like, football tournament and, like, you know, trying to let some guys showcase talents and, you know, recruiting and get to the next level and all those things. It does seem like he's trying to do somewhat, you know, something to help the community. This happened to him a couple of years ago, too. Do you remember he was doing something at the camp and, like, some players were heckling him? There was somebody, like, heckling him about like, oh, his yeah, throwing yeah, ability yeah. And, yeah. and, like, being really disrespectful yeah. to him? Yes. And I just feel like if I'm Cam Newton, I'm like, what, why am I wasting my time with this trying to help people? Like, I players making fun of me and I got, I got other people trying to beat my ass <laughs> I, I'm telling you man when I watch that video because the video is kind of it's it's kind of far away but 
I, it, I swear to God, I felt like it was like watching somebody, a wizard fighting warlocks or something. It looked like he might have even had like, it looked like a cape or something. It was weird, just the whole look of that whole thing. Well, my friend told me, and and I think it's right, he's like, when I saw the video, I thought he was trying to break up a fight of like some kids at his camp. <laughs> like, that's almost how it looks. It's like there's other people fighting and camps trying to break it up. But then you realize, no, it's just three people trying to beat up Cam Newton. He's just slinging them around as if they're children. They're not children, but he is just throwing them around. I can't get enough of it. I'm watching it again, man. And it's 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 all about the hat. That's what's making the hat, me laugh. The hat makes it funny. I am just impressed. But even like even then, it's not like Cam Newton's throwing punches. Like he was kind of gracious to these three people that were trying to jump him because he's really just slinging them around, waiting for people to break it up. It's not like he's out there throwing haymakers trying to end people's day you know he could have knocked a couple people out i'm imagining but you know cam newton is a winner that was your number one winner of the weekend yeah but maybe patino maybe patino i hate okay. to say it yeah cam newton was on my list i have actually have two of the same three as you because i do think those were the winners of the weekend nascar my number three winner it was a cool moment it's a cool picture it's cool social media clips it'll have a little energy it's not gonna make me come back and watch not after what happened to Denny Hamlin at Pocono a couple years ago. I'll never watch again NASCAR. <laughs> but it was a cool little social media clip. And for the day, Atlanta Speedway and NASCAR made you feel something again. So that's good for NASCAR in general to make people feel something. Number two, I went with Cam Newton. Just for the reasons we already mentioned. Anytime you not only survive a three-on-one beatdown, but actually end up coming out looking cool in it. And actually getting, you know, getting the best of those three. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. But I do worry about, like, Cam going back out in Atlanta, like, at these tournaments because you embarrass three people like that. I don't know what their background is. I don't know if they got any family members that are going to come and try to make, prove a point to Cam Newton. I don't know. If I'm Cam Newton, maybe lay low. Doesn't seem worth it. These kids don't appreciate what you're doing. Number one, though, and I don't think it's biased. I think you can make the case that the biggest winner of the weekend was the Tennessee Volunteers. I don't think it's biased. Typically, I don't have Tennessee stuff on here because I'm like, hey, yeah, you had a good weekend in Knoxville, but nationally it didn't register. I don't think that's the case this time. I think the Tennessee Volunteers were the biggest winners of the weekend, counting Friday, of course, as the weekend. You get the the, the judge ruling in your favor in terms of your lawsuit against the NCAA. You won that so far. It's not over yet, but... I think I saw 85% of the time when, when an initial ruling like this happens, 85% of the time that that person is then successful in court. I want to say maybe it was 86 and 14, but either way, 85% close enough. And then in basketball, you're the number one team in the SEC. You had all the results you needed. And in baseball, I know you didn't have to do anything against Albany. They suck. But your your ops all took some embarrassing losses. Stony Brook beat LSU this weekend five to two. Vanderbilt blows a game against Gonzaga. South Carolina, you know, beat by Belmont. Arkansas loses to Oklahoma State. So some of the teams you look at as your ops, as your rivals, they all took L's this weekend. Now the Arkansas one against Oklahoma State, not that embarrassing. It was in extras, two to one, their pitching staff. Struck out a whole bunch of people in that game, but you still lost, all right? So you're getting included, Arkansas, because I don't like you. But I thought Tennessee had the best weekend of really anybody. Sam, anybody we missed? Yeah, I got a couple. Um, mentioned in Tennessee there too, John. Girl on our softball team, Carlin Pickens, she threw a perfect game. She did. I did see that Tennessee got 
dominated though by Cal State Fullerton though. Yeah, so I couldn't they, pl- they threw a played a doubleheader in that game, I think. Yeah, I couldn't the include day. them in the winner because they kind of kind of got beat down. I mean, I know yeah. Cal State Fullerton probably has a pretty good softball team. Yeah. Um, Shots her for the perfect game. Her second one of her career, I believe. Yeah, mm-hmm. second of her career. Um, my first winner, it was uh, Jake Knapp, who just won uh, the PGA Tour Mexico Open yesterday. Uh, nine months ago, ran out of money trying to qualify for the PGA Tour. Worked as a bouncer at a nightclub for a couple of years. Now he's won a million, million and a half just about. Got him into the Masters. That's cool. I love when you get those like life changing stories, kind of like. How that. many times do you think you tried to call Liv? Like, come on, please. <laughs> I'll be your <laughs> just, bouncer. <laughs> just give me a hundred thousand dollars. I'll sign the contract. I like blood money, please. I'll be your bouncer. Yeah. Uh, my second winner. Uh, yeah, John, you mentioned it. It's uh, Arkansas's Arkansas baseball ace Hagen Smith struck out 17 batters in six innings of work. Yeah, it's pretty stout. 15 pretty strikeouts stout. in five innings. They didn't. Oregon State didn't record an out on the ground for the first five innings of the game. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. I was say there only 18 outs possible in in six innings, and he had 17 of them struck out. So that's pretty good. Yeah. And then, yeah, Shane Gillis probably deserves a shout-out. Yeah, that was going to be my other one. Saturday Night Live at least deserves a mention. The opening monologue was a little clunky. It was a little (laughs) awkward. I cringed a little bit watching it. But Saturday Night Live got people watching and talking. And I thought Shane Gillis rebounded pretty well after the opening monologue. And I thought the skits were pretty funny. He comes out looking pretty good. And at the very least, like, he got to host the show that fired him. So that had to feel pretty good from a a career standpoint. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, Bob, who lost this weekend? Well, I had Shane Gillis on my list. And oh. I, well, just from the standpoint, it was the monologue. Um, monologue wasn't great. The monologue was bad, and <clears throat> he, to me, just restoked the fire on some stuff that got him fired from SNL in the first place. And I don't know what the point was of bringing up. He just didn't need to bring up SNL. He, you know, he got cut loose there four years ago. It wasn't like it just happened last year or See, I, I kind of disagree on that just because I think it was a part of the story. And I think for him, like, if I'm doing SNL, like, A, yeah, it's an honor. You know, anybody that's anybody in terms of comedy and and, and really just pop culture has gotten a chance to host that. So you get to kind of stamp yourself. But also, you get fired from somewhere and you get to come back and host it. You do feel like you succeeded. You, right. you know, you probably do feel like the lowest point of your life, which is probably losing your dream job. You know, now you're back at that place, and they've they've asked you to come back. Yeah, I guess my point is too, and he had a great show overall. I thought the show itself was good, but um, the very thing that he got cut loose for, then he kind of, it was kind of a flex, like, okay, I'm back, and this is, you know, the same stuff that got me out of here. Was like, don't Google it. Yeah, don't Google it. You don't need to look it up. But like, also, I think that's him staying authentic to himself a little bit of saying, like, hey, you know, I, a, I survived the the quote-unquote cancellation but be like i'm gonna kind of be myself and his monologue where he's talking about his down syndrome family like to a lot of america's probably like ugh, ah, but yeah. to him that's that's his type of comedy so he was authentic in that regard so that's kind of why i made him a winner it yeah it's just he kind of stayed true and it it was cringy but <laughs> it was himself yeah but he had some great skits after that we were talking about those in the break um so I brought that one up because of the through line talking about him and the winners. Uh, my top one was Wake Forest. And we'll talk probably a little more about college basketball a little later in the show. But 
after, you know, we know the story by now, the whole court storming thing after beating number eight Duke, but it was the second time in two seasons that they've beaten Duke. And it, there's all sorts of stories now about how, you know, again, they were there were fans like hitting the floor, I think, before the clock hit zero. And, um, you know, somebody on social media posted, you know, Duke loses their seven-footer by, you know, getting plowed by a French student at a... Yeah, Wake Forest is a, a very esteemed university, too, you know, and it's just it's just such an odd thing to see all this happening. And are they the ones that, well, it's not Wake Forest is the ones that may create the end of court storming. It's because it's happening to a Duke team and a Duke player that would probably influence this more. But I felt like it just wasn't, you know, not shame on Wake Forest, but it just wasn't a good look for them. Um, and then my third one... It's kind of I've kind I'm kind of torn. I've got two. One was a Rod. Did you see? It? I saw I saw I saw a little bit of a video where he was basically, "Hey guys, I'm just tan." I'm yeah, just well, tan, but yeah. I, didn't, I didn't actually watch it. Yeah, they they start started posting photos of him on social media, calling it the reverse Sammy Sosa, saying know, he's getting darker as he gets older. Yeah, getting darker as he gets older. And so a Rod then went out, and I I don't know maybe. Some people might say he needed to do it, but then he went out and dignified it by saying, no, man, I was on vacation, and I'm dark-complected, and, I mean, it was just too much, man. It's like, just let it go. Just You're paying too much attention to trolls, basically. Um, something we could all take some advice on right there, right? We all, we all can get sensitive about that stuff, but I just felt like someone at his level, he doesn't need to do that, man. Nobody – he just doesn't need to. And then the last one I saw was DJ Khaled. Sorry, did you see that? Just him getting carried? <laughs> he was getting carried from his... Uh, from, he didn't want to get Jordan Sandy, man. From his Rolls Royce to the stage. Uh, the video of it's hilarious, but it's like, good Lord, man. What is, what is happening? You sure us? you didn't mean to include him on winners? Because getting carried from your car, from your Rolls Royce to, <laughs> to, your, to your stage is kind of a flex. The losers are the security guys that have to carry a grown man. That's what I was going to say. It's it's, it, it, it is not a great look. It just really underscores again he is enormous, you know, because it doesn't look comfortable for those guys carrying him. But, uh, yeah, those are my losers. All right, my losers of the weekend. Uh, number three, I had a couple options here. I ended up going with Madam Webb. Just uh, another abysmal weekend in the box office for them. They only gross six million dollars domestically and ten million dollars internationally. It's still uh, not even caught up to Morbius's opening weekend. It's far behind it. It's going to get labeled as the worst superhero movie of all time, or at least the biggest flop of all time. But it might be a watershed moment for superhero movies and makes them kind of fix things. But I thought Madam Web. Just another abysmal weekend for them. Only, I think, a, what, a 17% score on Rotten Tomatoes. No, 13% score on Rotten Tomatoes. Another embarrassing weekend for them. Number two, the second biggest losers of the weekend for me, I went with Eric Bieniemy. You got a job? Okay, but, like, you're going to UCLA to do what? Man, what a fall from grace. You, you were everyone's – you were everyone's martyr – a couple years ago. How is Eric Bieniemy not getting a, a head coaching job? This is racism. They're not giving him the head coaching job because he's black. 
And the NFL was even like, hey, we got to reevaluate this Rooney Rule thing because if someone like Eric Bieniemy can't get a job, something's gone wrong. Now, of course, you've had some black coaches get hired and, and do good jobs. Shout out to D'Amico Ryans. Meanwhile, Eric Bieniemy has has fallen from grace from coaching waiting or or I guess maybe not coaching waiting, but coaching hot shots waiting on a chance to he goes to Washington. Now he's gone back to college. Meanwhile, the Chiefs have won two Super Bowls without him. Eric Bieniemy, a loser of the weekend. Number one, though, I thought the college media nerds, biggest loser of the weekend, the college football media nerds who thought that Tennessee was going to get punished, who are now crying about how it's not fair that Tennessee is doing this and how we shouldn't celebrate the NCAA losing. To even the college media nerds, Bob, who are complaining about the court storming, wanting to end it. Think about Kyle Filipowski. Oh, no, he fell down after he tried to push somebody. He lost his balance. He pushed the person too hard, which made him stumble. I thought they were the biggest losers of the weekend. Sam, anybody we missed? Um, <clears throat> I always like to make fun of the New York Mets, so this may be a little bit more specific. But Kode Singa, uh, he's the Mets' number one pitcher. He gets shut down for three weeks. So I just love when the Mets, they, they have a rotating door of injuries, and it never ends. Off season, middle of the season, whenever, spring training, now it's starting to happen. Good to see uh, the Mets run into their typical problems. Um, unfortunately, I had the Lady Vols on my losers. Um, had an opportunity to get a big win against LSU yesterday. Just down three going into the fourth quarter. Lose by 15. They're so bad. Yeah. They're so bad. I, I actually watched the second half of that game. Yeah, me too. They are so bad. Me too. Their offense is terrible. Their players don't execute. They're bad. They're bad. They're bad. That's the worst. That's the worst I've ever seen them look. Actually, I think. But you're right, Sam. And I saw a little of the second half too. They had it to a four point game, like yeah. late in the third quarter. I mean, they were in range, but then they can't. They just they don't have it. That's it's it's hard to watch. And Haley Van Liff was busting their ass in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah. And the social media is just getting worse and worse. I mean, people are just – they've had it, you know, from a fan base perspective. So, it's going to be tough. I Tennessee forgot. in danger of missing their first tournament ever. Yeah. I forgot one winner, Michigan basketball, 1-20 on the year against the spread. <laughs> they covered for the first time all year. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That can't be right. 0-19 against the spread. That can't. Women's bat, the women's team or the men's team? That can't be right for the men's team. I, I, th- I saw this on Action Network tweeted it. Yeah, that, they're, they're terrible. They know that. Three days ago, Action Network, they said Michigan is 0-18 against the spread in their straight uh, in their losses this year. Oh, in losses. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, because they beat, yeah, they beat yeah. uh, who was it? They beat Wisconsin as underdogs. Okay, so as. In their losses. Okay. So when they lose, they lose ugly. That's that's terrible, though. Okay, okay. Well, that makes more sense. I was like, there's no way they haven't covered one spread. How did I miss this, too? I just – Kyle Filipowski now is saying he was targeted. Like – He pushed the person. Yeah, do you really think the the Wake Forest fans were like, go get him. Get this guy. Yeah. That's main character syndrome. Yeah. That's That's what that is, main character syndrome. Yeah. He pushed the person and fell down. I don't even think he rolled his ankle. If he did roll his ankles because he like pushed the person too hard. Like he gave a two arm shove. 
That person was going to run right in front of him and not hit him. And he pushed it. And now we're going to ban court storming to make him feel better. I don't know. It seems a little odd to me. Do you think we ban court storming? Do you think that is a, a thing that happens? I think it would suck if they did just because it's, it is one of the, the cool novelties about college basketball. Somebody had a suggestion, and they said it came from a college coach that was unnamed, but put a 30-second shot clock on at the end of all games so you get a chance for, you know, you got to tighten security around the court, but, you know, have your court storm, but let the other team get off, let the coaches shake hands. 30 seconds is not that long, honestly. Um, okay. I thought it's not a bad idea. It, it kind of removes the emotion from it, I think. Yeah, the spontaneity of it. Yeah. But again, yes, uh, or not yesterday, Saturday's version of it was not good. It was like the Wake fans were starting to get on the floor, I think, even before the, the buzzer. So, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I, 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 think, I think it stays, but we'll see. Roberto wants to weigh in on the court storming. Let's go to the phone lines. Roberto, top of the morning to you. Good morning, John. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Sam. You guys are kicking ass and taking names this morning. I've really enjoyed the show. Thank you, man. First time listener, long time caller. <laughs> um, this Philip Kowski thing, uh, Bob, I think you're in the wrong here, and I don't usually call you out. I, I think court storming is amazing. Uh, I think it, it it is an absolute part of the game. I don't hate your idea of 30 seconds um, if that keeps players from getting hurt. But what it should, what, what really should be the story is that Kyle Filipkowski tried to hurt a kid. He tried to hurt that kid. He tried to hit him because he was pissed because he just lost. And he went out like a little bee and tried to hurt somebody, and he got hurt himself because he's a gangly idiot. <laughs> How's that square you? Well, I'd, to be clear, I was uh, when I was reading that Philip Pawski says he was targeted. I I find that rich. I I, I was not defending him there. Um, I was like, I don't I don't think he's being targeted in any way. And yeah, we saw the same thing you did as far as him shoving someone. I mean, when are we gonna? When are these media nerds gonna hold the athlete accountable and say, you know, it kind of looks like he actually initiated this. They're always going to say that he has the right to defend himself because he's going to be scared of 100 people running at him is, is what the argument will be. Now, you know, he did make himself trip and fall down. Like, he did make it worse. But they're going to say that he was defending himself. Yeah, just like Trey Burton smacking a girl in the fa- in the mouth was defending himself too. Correct. Yeah, correct. Now, the one – I mean, even that, I know, I know we all love her here, uh, but Caitlin Clark, man, she initiated contact when that happened to her this year too. She was the one trying to do it. Yeah, and she flopped I, too as far as I'm concerned. Oh, absolutely. I, I would argue that, that um, Philip Kowski did it as well. I mean, he got his knee wrapped up, but he went down like he'd been shot with, you know, at 50 cal through the kneecap. Well, I also feel like he flopped a lot more after the fact too and like has, has gone above and beyond trying to sell it. I mean, I know Caitlin Clark kind of mentioned like, hey, it's scary. Somebody's going to get hurt. But like it wasn't like she was at – Doing the post game presser, be like, "Oh man, I'm really, I'm really hurt. I don't know if I'm going to be able to play. I rolled my ankle." Yeah. She's like, "I'm sore," and she did, you know, she did sell it, of course. On the other hand, if she was to get hurt and she's the biggest star in college sports and she does get hurt by court storming, then we probably will say, "Huh, yeah, maybe we need to keep these people off the court." So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I, I can I can get with Bob's 
30 seconds. If that if that's the final ruling, John, you're right. It takes some of the emotion out of it. But I can tell you this. Um, I don't know if you, any of you guys are at the game. I want to say we it was a Tennessee basketball game, and I want to say we beat Kentucky for the first time in forever. And I was in the student section, and we were chanting, you can't stop us, because they put all these guards in front of this student section. And we just kept chanting, you can't stop us. You can't stop us. And they need to do what Danny White did, and that is, as opposed to trying to stop it, control it, right? Like, hey, you can rush the court. You can go and celebrate with your class, you know, your friends that are on the team, but we're going to let this other team get off, and in that time, you're going to go through here. We're going to do it in a, in a somewhat orderly fashion, right, so people don't get really hurt. And I think people would actually embrace that. I mean, Clemson does it every game. Guys, I hope you have a good day. Uh, baseballs uh, looked apart, man. I tell you what, have a good one. Thanks, Roberto. The one thing I was going to bring up, and I just ask the two of you boys here in the booth with me, is again, does this? If there is a change that happens with court storming now, is it is it because of the situation of court storming at large, or is it because it happened to Duke? Well, I don't know. I think they can point to Caitlin Clark as well. Yeah, that's true. She's a, she's a bigger star in college basketball right now than Duke. She's she's bigger than Duke right now. In my opinion, like she's been more relevant than them this year. I've watched I've watched more minutes of her games than I have Duke this year. I don't know if everyone feels if everyone's kind of at that level or doing the same. I haven't fallen victim to the North Carolina Duke rivalry. I didn't really watch much of the Wake Forest game. I've watched some Caitlin Clark. To me, she's a bigger deal. Her going down I think was scarier than Filipowski. I think there's also something to be said, Caitlin Clark versus a seven foot dude. Sure. You know, like I sure. think that's also a lot more scarier. Like it's a lot, it's much more scary for a girl to get trampled in a court storming versus a guy who's bigger than every single person that is in that gym. I don't know if him rolling his ankle or tweaking his knee or whatever he's claiming is enough to end this. I think to get most people. On the side of hey, court storming is bad. It's going to take a couple players just beating the hell out of one of the player of one of the students, or multiple players getting hurt. I think at once. No, Try, I like think the it's one just, off. I think is hard. Yeah, to, maybe. But I think if a couple people start really throwing some bows and really <laughs> take some people down. Try try court storming on Katie Johnson and see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> he might he might kill someone. Alan Flanagan does not want. <laughs> yeah, do not want to get near him. Take uh, a couple. Yeah, take a couple of uh, Flanagan bows when you rush the court. To me, that's what – but then, again, like, Jermaine Burton punched a girl in Knoxville and nothing happened, so maybe that's not the case either. Maybe maybe there's nothing that will really stop it. And, by the way, there is a way to work around this. I've seen it happen. Uh, it just happened this season when Purdue got upset at Northwestern. Uh, Matt Painter got with Chris Collins because he kind of knew where this was heading, you know, and he was like, let us get off the court. He, he actually called a timeout with like three seconds remaining and he got his team out of there and you know now if it's on a last second shot or something it's different but this game was decided it was like a five point spread um i i just think sometimes maybe some of this might lie with the coaches too. work it out man that's what you're doing you're you're running your teams yeah yeah twitter writes in or sends a picture in of duke of course storming the field this year after beating clemson in football <laughs> So you kind of lose me crying about it, yeah, whenever you just did it. It's a good point by him. 
get to see sad Dabo, too. I think I remember seeing some of the Duke basketball players rush the field, too. Probably. For that game. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Philip Pascal was actually <laughs> out there doing that. All right, that was a long batch of winners and losers of the weekend, but uh, we'll talk some Tennessee baseball, some Tennessee NCAA, some other stuff that we might have missed so far. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Ever been the... Springing. Spring sports almost here. For all your uniform, equipment, screen print, or embroidery needs, give SM Athletics a call. You'll get excellent customer service. You'll get great products at a fair price. When they say it is done, it'll be done right and on time. Every time, shop locally. Shop people that you can trust. Give SM Athletics a call today at 865-966-3434. That's 865-966-3434. Or visit smathletics.com. Sam, we haven't really given you the mic and let you cook on the baseball team. Tennessee, I believe, uh, number eight in the new D1 baseball poll. Of course, no surprise, dominated Albany this weekend. Game one a little bit closer than maybe we thought it was going to be, but game two and game three more of what we could thought it would happen. Yeah, massive weekend for Tennessee. Uh, like you said, yeah, first first game was a little bit closer than closer than you thought, but I thought you know the key in that one was you're starting to see some continuity with this pitching staff. I think uh, you know Vitello and, and Frank Anderson and this crew are you know are pretty confident in kind of going for this AJ combo here, going AJ Russell. Uh, you know, you got Stamos in there for three innings, sandwiched in between AJ Causey, but he gives you three innings at the end there. They seem to really like kind of that, you know, that trade-off between AJ Russell's stuff, uh, being a big flamethrower, and then kind of going to Causey, a guy that's a little bit more uh, controlled. You know, not as much high-powered stuff, and a little bit better movement, and, and being able to control the the strike zone with that. So I think they've got a great duo in terms of that. And then you bounce back. Uh, you know, obviously you put up three touchdowns on, on Friday there, or on Saturday, I'm sorry. Uh, 21 to 6, unbelievable output from your offense in that game. Uh, domination. 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 That one, yeah, I mean, it, it, you got guys all over the park in that one. You got homers from Tears, Robin Villeneuve, who to me is a guy that needs to find a, a permanent spot in this lineup. They've tried to give him some run. How is it not Villeneuve? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. As I'm locking in, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be dumb because you guys probably all thought I was going to say Villanueva and I was going to know that it's Villeneuve because I'm actually watching and listening. He's Canadian, that's yeah, why. Yeah, and I was just going to say, there's, you know, there was the F- F1 driver, Jacques Villeneuve. They they all pronounce it. Okay. It's got some sort of French connotation. That's well, what... Why's the U there? What's the, point of the, what's the point of the U in his last name? I mean, I know he didn't pick his last name, but, like, what's the damn point? I agree. I completely agree. Take it up with 23 and me. I don't think they picked either. Uh, we got, but maybe 23 and me can get me back to the point where somebody eventually like, you know what, I'm tired of saying Nueve. It's just going to be Nev. Speaking of that, that's going to be an assignment for you, Sam. When I was listening to the TV call on that first game, they were calling him, and I thought it was Stamos. They were calling him Stamos. Yeah, I, don't, I think uh, it, it might be Stamos. I don't know. 
Um, there goes the Uncle, Uncle Exactly. Chrissy. That's yeah. what I thought, too. It just ruined it. Yeah. I don't know. We stick with the original. I think we got to keep him just yeah. for Uncle Chris. No, no, we got to respect his name. <laughs> we, we can't be, we can't be like those guys that did that podcast making fun of Nico's. Name. Uh, we can't be like that. Right. It, guess you're if right. we know, we got to do it properly. That's a very earnest statement there from you. I like it. I don't like disrespecting people's names. I think that's, that's I think fair. that's mean. Well, then yeah. keep that in mind with Robin too. Villeneuve. Well, I, I am. I, I, I'm wondering about it, but I'm going to call him Villeneuve. I'm not going to call him Villeneuve. I'm not going to. But when I read it and I see it, I always want to do it, obviously. I do too, but I, yeah. I'm not going to. I, now that we know, now I'm not saying I won't slip up, but I'll correct myself. You know, when we made the switch from Vescovi to Vescovi, it took a little bit. It took a little time. Well, I think Are you all Santi or Santi people? Is there a difference in it? I go Santi. Yeah, I say I say Santi, but a lot of people Santee. say Santi. I say Santi. Yeah. Well, I can't make fun of the the, the country Dude. dialect when you say it, I guess. But I, no, when I when I hear Santi, I hear I just think of a big country you, person. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you believe in Santa Claus? Then is that, <laughs> is that the deal? Well, one spell with an I and one spell with an A, Bob. They're not the same word. But you're you're flexing the A, man. Yeah, it's that first A. Yeah, well, I understand. Santee, but there, I, there's plenty of words in the English language <laughs> that that do have different rules. Okay, Proves how tough it is. To, yeah. yeah. Why can I say I'm drinking multiple beers, but there's only, three, you know, there's five deer? You know what I mean? Why, do, why does one get it as the other doesn't? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, so Tennessee's newcomers, <laughs> their newcomers and their freshmen seem to all kind of be ballers, at least yeah. early on. Now, I mean, of course, when the competition goes up, we'll really see is here, who's here to play. But Bargo seems to be a hitting machine. Villeneuve seems to be a hitting machine. Both those guys – maybe going to push for some time. Like, I, I don't know if that's enough to break in the outfield rotation rotation so far, but if he keeps hitting at this level, like, you know, maybe you sacrifice a little range from Inslee and, and you all of a sudden have a different looking outfield. I don't know. That was my thoughts, John, honestly. You know, you saw Inslee get a little bit of rest this weekend. And, if you I'm know, him, I don't want to rest because right. like, I don't. I don't. I want to keep these guys off the field as long as possible. Like that's there's so much competition in the outfield, you can't get rest. Almost, right. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think on Saturday, I thought that lineup was was unbelievable. That's been my favorite lineup so far. It went Simo, uh, Dryling in right field, Amick, Kavars, Tears playing center, Cannon, Peebles. That top uh, five there seems really, really, really stout. Yeah, and then you got Villeneuve playing left, Blake Burke, Dean Curley at short, and Bargo as your DH. To me, that that was my favorite lineup of the weekend. Again, we'll see if these newcomers can actually play when it comes time to step up the competition. I'm not going to overreact to what they did against Albany or even the first weekend series out in Texas. Like, let, Let's see if they can sustain it, but it does feel like Tennessee – has another year of just a stacked roster. Yeah. And it might take time for Tony to figure out the best permutation of that lineup and those roster possibilities. But it seems like out of the bullpen, you got enough arms. And it seems like on the bench, you got enough bats. And whether or not we properly divvy up those appearances and and innings is yet to be seen. But I do think Tony will figure it out before the end of the season. Our guy Kirby got in for a yeah he did for an one batter baby one batter <laughs> he did I can't imagine we're gonna see him very often this no, year when no, you look no, at no, all no. the arms of the bullpen no. no he's one of those guys that uh, you say got recruited over yes 
But shout out to friend of the program, Kirby Connell. He's clearly taking that role on. You know, he's the guy that runs out. You know, guys taking off all their accessories at first base. He's the guy that's going out there and picking it up. Like he's, I feel like he's, he's like a voluntary do- little bat boy. Well, kinda. I feel like he's always done that. <laughs> yeah, that that's yeah. something that I remember because I thought he was like a senior. Whenever he was doing that, like as you know, maybe as a freshman, he was doing that. I was like, is he like the elder statesman? And then, nope, nope, that's just a guy that's going to be a good teammate and knows his role. I wish we just guy. put him out there as like first base coach, honestly, especially in this part of the year. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be funny. Yeah, that'd be funny. I feel like he did that a couple years ago too. Like at times, I think I, thought I don't he was know doing that. Like I feel like I. It'd be funny if he had to fill in. Maybe yeah. someone gets sick and they're like, "Hey, Kirby, give me first base coach today." Yeah. So, yeah, any other thoughts? I mean, I, another week of opponents that aren't going to be great. Another week where you look and it's like the goal is to go undefeated. Like That's the realistic goal. Yeah, Take 100%. Take care of business, go undefeated. 100%. And I think, you know, it, it's it's definitely, even though you're playing lesser competition, you know, like we kind of touched on last week, anybody can lose at any game in college baseball. And you've seen it with some of these top teams in the nation already kind of dropping a couple of these of these midweek ones. So I think it's a great sign, uh, you know, of just this team and their preparation that they're focused coming in in every game and not letting some of these guys kind of come in and, and take advantage of them. So I think that Tennessee is going to continue to, you know, tinker with that lineup and find things that work and don't work. And, you know, like Ryan mentioned earlier, uh, AJ Russell kind of a little bit with that soreness. I think you'll see some guys be able to get a chance to, uh, to kind of audition for maybe that weekend starter role as well and, and kind of keep that competition rolling. You got high point this week, which they did get them one at Ole Miss this week, and I don't know if you saw that. They they got Ole Miss on Friday night. They come in tomorrow, and then, yeah, then you'll host Bowling Green. I'm a little more interested in next week because Kansas State's got a really good player. And then you also have Illinois coming in the weekend, which I imagine Illinois – I don't know if they're good or not, but I imagine they're going to be a step up in competition from sure. Albany and Bowling right. Green when it comes to weekend opponents. So you'll at least start playing some some Power Five major level college baseball next week. How about Albany had a pitcher named Player Crosby? Did you see that? I didn't see that. Just player, player, player. Maybe they. There you go. Did he yeah. pitch for him? Yeah, he pitched uh, well. He he threw 19 pitches and walked three yesterday. Okay, I didn't see that. Didn't part get of an it. out. So no, he is not a player. He's yeah. not a player. No. It's quite a name though. Came in, walked three guys, didn't get an out. That's uh, it's not a good outing. No, not a good outing. But I mean, it, it's all leading up to the first weekend of SEC play. The odds of March, March 15th. That's going to be a big weekend. That's when the NCAA tournament will be rolling around, rolling along, rolling around uh, on the ground, just rolling around <laughs> like dogs. The NCAA tournament will be beginning. You know, here at Tennessee, we'll be trying to just get through and survive any any horrific losses. But you'll also be going to Alabama, who at least on this SEC website is getting credit for being the 17th ranked team in the country. So that'll be a tough road trip. And it's all about, you know, having your guys ready for that, what lineup's the best, and who the best Sunday starter possibly is. Did your opinion on this on the third starter change at all yesterday? Or are you still kind of holding steady where you think it's Sneed? 
Yeah, I still like Snead. I thought Snead looked great yesterday. Yeah, he had some electric stuff. I watched him pitch. Yeah. That was kind of the end of the game I watched because I was like, ah, this is a blowout. I'll put on something else. But I did watch did watch Snead pitch the third inning. I do think that, you know, Anderson and, and Vitello, though, are still kind of – I think it still might just be Seacrest to Snead kind of for the rest of the year in that weekend role. Do three like I'm three. saying, Yeah, like I'm kind of saying with how they like the combo of A.J. Russell's stuff to, to Causey. I think it's very similar in terms of uh, – you know, Seacrest and, and Snead as well. Seacrest kind of not being able to – a big velocity guy and then Snead coming in there being able to throw triple digits. I think that'll throw some people off. Sure. Same with Russell, who's got the 97, 98-mile-an-hour fastball that's moving, and then Correct. the next guy comes in just throwing those heavy sinkers. Yeah, high 80s, stuff like yeah. that. Okay. Yep. So maybe one time through the lineup for Seacrest, then you bring in Snead, or ideally maybe you get through four innings and four and four. Or I don't know, but okay, yeah, that might be four four one would be great. Sure, I think Tony would sign up for that yeah, every weekend. Sure. Yeah, sure, if you could do that. Yeah. All right, there's your Tennessee baseball segment. I think we hit everything that we needed to in terms of basketball and baseball. A lot of Tennessee news, man. It's fun to talk about good teams. Absolutely. When when the boys are good, it's fun to talk about. Even mixed, even mixed in a little uh, diss on the Lady Vols. As I said, it was the worst basketball I've ever seen them play. God, it's sad how far they've fallen. they got to make a change. I've been going back and forth of, like, do you think Danny cares? If you're Danny White and you're having to watch those games, those games got to. you got to be like, okay, I we got, we got to do better here. I think he cares. Yeah, we we got to do better here. You know that really irks him, having every single program at where they're at and, you know, the program that you would think is number one is lacking. I think that definitely keeps him up at night. I don't know about keeps him up at night, yeah, Sam. But... <laughs> I'd imagine he's sleeping pretty good. He thinks about it each day. I it, it, he thinks about it he each day. He gets into the office and he thinks about it's, it. It's one of the main things probably stressing him. The NCAA thing, probably number one in terms of what's stressing him. Maybe what to get for lunch, number two. And then he gets the Lady Vols after that. He gets the Lady Vols after that. I think he's feeling pretty good about everything else, so I'd say he's sleeping like a baby. Wakes up with cold sweats of it's marquee Miss Jumper. (laughs) (sighs) Gotta make a switch. Last call on the other side. Stick with us. A lot of stuff to talk about today. We didn't get even close to touching at all. Good news is we got tomorrow to do it. Uh, Tennessee versus the NCAA. Nothing really new there that we didn't kind of already expect. We'll dive into that more tomorrow. We'll still dance on the NCAA's grave a little. It's yeah. not a death blow, but it's definitely a setback. Yeah, it's not over yet, but Tennessee got what they were looking for. They got the win. We can talk about that tomorrow. Any other college basketball games of note from the weekend, Bob, that you feel like we need to hit before the break, catch people up on? Oh, I think that, um, yeah, well, yeah we, we definitely gave uh, Duke and Wake enough time. UConn's back in business. Uh, you knew whoever was going to play them next was going to pay the price, and it was Villanova. 
Villanova sucks. They do. They do. I wonder how long Kyle Neptune's going to stay in that job. Uh, I, I, they're not going to. They're not going to suffer that for very long. If you're Jay Wright, are you happy about that, or are you rooting for his success? Well, Wright's a good dude. I bet he's rooting for his success. <laughs> he's a good dude, but he also like. I mean, them going back to just being nothing without him does make his re- make his career make his resume even that more impressive. Yeah. Like if this guy just would have kept it rolling. I mean, like, for all the coaches you deem as, like, elite the last couple of years, it does seem like it's not like football where maybe the guys just keep it rolling. Like, I think Michigan expects them to just kind of keep it rolling without Harbaugh. And basketball, when the coaches left, all the schools have kind of fallen apart. Like, I was looking at Xavier. They have fallen apart. They're a non-factor. Butler, non-factor. Florida after Donovan, non-factor. Memphis after Calipari, I mean, you could you could say they've been a non-factor for you know fifteen damn years at this point. You know what's crazy is you mentioned Xavier and they're you know they lost again yesterday. They're thirteen and twelve, and they're mentioning Sean Miller as a legitimate candidate to get the Ohio State job. Yeah, which I do not understand. Um, I mean, he's a good coach, but I it's not like he's torn it up at Xavier at all. I, I think they just give him the credit for what he's done in the past. Yeah, that's like a hey, just getting back at a big job. He's a big time coach. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, they've fallen apart, and, you know, like, UConn for a while was like, hey, you know, just let Calhoun leave, we'll keep winning. And then, of course, they went back to, to stinking. They were kind of a little coach-proof. You know, you could win with any of the coaches there, a little bit like LSU football. But outside of that, it feels like all these programs kind of need the main guy. Villanova, just the school now. Yeah. Duke teetering on that a little bit. They're still getting the credit for being, you know, a top-notch program, but – don't hit the same as when Coach K was there. Um, only other games, you know, Purdue, it wasn't pretty, but they endured Michigan and Ann Arbor, won that one. Um, never was really in doubt, but it they could never really get too much distance on Michigan. Got to believe Juwan Howard's time is coming. He had to get restrained again. Did you see that? No. Kind of an iffy call from the ref, and – he starts to go out on the court because it's a dead ball, and uh, Michigan's point guard ran and, and grabbed him and pushed him back to the bench. Um, I just think, I don't know. That's a, there's going to be some big jobs open this year. Could be three in the Big Ten. Again, Ohio State, Michigan, maybe Indiana. Ohio State with a buzzer beater win. Yeah, they're playing well now. At Michigan State, so maybe don't uh, say that job's open just yet. Maybe Ohio State has a little bit of a rally. Although i got to say, like, hey – Diebler, nice win. I don't need you going down to your knees, collapsing after every win. <laughs> that was it felt a that, that had a lot of Butch Jones in it, man. It felt a little bit like check me out. I'm so thankful. It was unbecoming of Butch Jones to do that after the Hail Mary. It was a little much after seeing Diebler do it after a, you know a walk off win against Michigan State. I get it. You're excited to be there. You're happy. Your boys are playing well. You never thought you'd have this opportunity. We get it. You're happy to be here. Yeah. We understand. But you got to act like you got a little bit of moxie about you. You got to have a little bit of the stone face killer. It'd be cooler if you just won the game on the buzzer beater and were like, yeah, that's what I do, man. <laughs> One you know? of my favorite like- <laughs> clips of all time, Sam, comes from Larry Legend, Larry Burden. It's not even him as a player. It's it's when Reggie Miller hits the game winner against the Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals, and Reggie Miller's going crazy and jumping, and, whoa, I did it, and game seven, we're going to set it up, and it, it cuts to Larry Bird, and he's just standing there stone-faced. Like, not celebrating, not running around jumping, not collapsing. It's like, all right, good job. Let's keep going. Jay Wright, another one. Like, yeah, yeah. Whenever the, the walk-off 
buzzer beater, win a national championship. He just kind of throws his hands up and walks and shakes hands. It's like, yep, that's what we do here. Good job. <laughs> We're prepared. I don't know. I, I know comparing him to Jay Wright and Larry Bird may be a little unfair <laughs> to Diebler, but I allowed him to do the whole crying after beating Purdue. You're allowed to go crazy your first win. Rah, rah, you did it. Okay, now enough's enough. Act like an adult now. Little uh, Media Monday out the door. And we've talked about this guy a lot, but uh, our guy Glenn Powell has been cast to play Eli Manning's Chad Powers character. Wait, what? They're recreating that character? They are re- they're gonna they're do doing a, a movie? They're going to do a comedy series on uh, ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Omaha Productions, it's their first scripted show. And um, Glenn Powell's going to star in this? Yep, he will succeed Eli as I'm, I'm telling Chad you. Powers. Just remember who told you first. We're going to turn on Glenn Powell very quickly. This is going to be what kills it. It's very quickly. We're going to be all right, Glenn Powell, enough's enough. Go away. They said Omaha fielded offers from multiple Hollywood studios before joining forces with Powell. Um, I, I just... I don't know. That's going to be interesting. They're trying to they're trying to stir up some Ted Lasso magic. You know, if you recall, that's how Ted Lasso began. It was it started as a promo for NBC Sports for soccer, mm-hmm. and they turned it into a TV series. And it's same type of deal here. I thought it was an SNL skit first. No, it was a YouTube series. Yeah, yeah. I actually remember watching the original Ted Lasso on YouTube. Yeah, back in the day when I played soccer, I thought it was hilarious. And then the TV show came out, and I hated it. Yeah, you like the TV show? The YouTube series it. was a lot more funny, I thought, than, yeah. the, than the TV show. I was skeptical about it. I ended up liking it after a while. But, uh, yeah, so anyway. I don't think I've ever heard anybody, uh, two people saying they didn't like it. I mean, I know you said I you eventually liked it. It's not that I don't like it. I just liked the YouTube. I thought the YouTube series was way more funny. Um, But, yeah, we're going to see some more Glenn Powell, man. He's he's everywhere. Okay. No Sydney Sweeney in it, though, because she's everywhere, too. You know, I don't know who got the the majority of that credit of anything but you doing $180 million at the box office. I think it was a, a nice split, so we'll see if he needs her to survive. <laughs> First he had Tom Cruise and, and Miles Teller, and then he had Sidney Sweeney. Let's see if he can swim alone. The G.I. Jake Show coming up next. Stay locked in on Fan Run Radio.